feel a little bit like, um, you know, the story in the Bible of when the disciples went to um, Cornelius' house and they started talking. And before they even finished talking, the Holy Spirit came and started to do what he was doing. And I believe God is already doing something um, today. Um, because really what I want to bring today is, is, is basically what has been brought in the, in the, in the, in the worship so that's really incredible. So, you know, like, I'll basically just be repeating what everyone else has brought. But, you know, God is good. And it's, it's really good just to see when God is already doing something. And it just makes you realize that, well, I just need to step out of the way and allow God to do what? Uh, in this world? Or where? Yes, exactly. Do you, does anyone know maybe what the similarities with these buildings are? And don't say they were both built by bricks. <laughs> Stone. Well, if you did say that I'd, I'd been to, to those buildings, then you were right. But that's not the, um, what I'm looking for. The, the answer, actually, I'm looking for is both buildings. Um, and there's a slide for, for that. Yeah, so both being burned down by, by fire. So the building on the, I'm hoping it's on your, on my, yes, on the left. Um, I would be very surprised if most of you would, would, would have known this building. This was um, a building that burned down in 2008. Um, um, that, is it on my left? It's your right, my left. Okay, so my left is your right. Yes, the building on my left and your right has been burned down. I don't even know what, it, what, what way it's going to be showing to, to you guys at home. So basically, the building that is not the Notre Dame Cathedral <laughs> is, um, was, was burned down. It was, was burned down in 2008 in Gorton. And it caught, it caught fire. And it was um, a building that I didn't even know. I, I, lived, I lived around there. I used to get the, the, the news. The, the, the news barely made the, the, the paper. Uh, about 500 keep it, keep it down and, and get the fire and make sure that the building was not totally destroyed. But that's kind of like where the similarities end with those two buildings. Um, I think the... The one on the left, as I said, was, is, is, is in, uh, on my left is in Gotten. The one on the right is a, is a well-known building in Paris. Um, and the, the main difference I, do, I did want to highlight today is kind of what happened to the buildings afterwards. Um, what happened to buildings after the fire? The warehouse in Gotten, I think it burnt down so much that the owners just demolished it and sold and decided that there was no point trying to rebuild. Whereas the cathedral has since undergone extensive renovation, it's still undergoing re renovation, and experts are walking around the clock um, trying to make sure that this building comes back to life. I remember in the week that, it was, um, that, it, that the fire happened, this was in 2019, so it might be a bit of a blur for, for some of us, you know, before COVID. Um, I remember, like, that week, it was hundreds of millions of, of euros were raised for its restoration. And as at its last count, I believe just under a billion dollars had been raised to restore the cathedral. Now, I know at the time there was a bit of an uproar as to, wow, why is so much money being spent on one building? Um, and does one building deserve so much money and attention? And I remember thinking then, I'm like, well, I, I, I understand that, but I also do understand the determination and the value that the French and the French government and people around the world saw in that building and they decided that they did not want to let that building be destroyed. So they wanted to see it restored. And I believe, you know, just as we've been saying this morning, I believe that that's what God does for us. 
You know, God, he gave his son, his one and only son. That, and that is why, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. You know, this is how much God so loved us. We, we sang, we've sang that this morning, how God is pursuing us, is relentlessly pursuing us. This is how much he loved us. This is how much he valued us, that he gave his son, Jesus. Why? So that we will not be destroyed, so that we will be restored to him. You know, when we become Christians, Corinthians 5.17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that is restoration in a nutshell, making things new. Making things new or making things like new. So as restored Christians, restored sons and daughters of God, and you know, the, the invitation was, was sent out today. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. Not because we want you to join our church, but because we want you to know the God who restores, God who ascend his son to die for you so that you can be restored to him, so that you can know the fullness of life in him. And that's why we do Festival Manchester. That's why we're here today. That's why we keep um, drum, um, beating the same drum that we ascend to make Jesus famous. But, you know, just because we are restored, just because we're Christians, doesn't always mean that we're immune to loss. We actually do suffer loss. We suffer, um, we suffer um, troubles. We suffer pains. We suffer suffering. And in fact, in the Bible, um, John 10 verse 10 says, The thief, the enemy that we have is a thief. He comes to steal, to destroy, to kill. And Jesus said, I have come to give you life. So we do know we have an enemy that tries to steal, that tries to kill, that tries to destroy. But God did not promise that we'll be free of any of those things. But what he did promise, he promised that he will restore what we have lost. And that's the God that we serve, God who restores what we've lost. Um, um, from verse 25. It's a very popular verse in scripture. And this is God talking um, to true people. It's being devastated in one day. And God is, you know, that's the, that's the image that God is using to say, I will restore those years that have been stolen. You know, and I believe that this promise, just like the promise that then precedes, um, that, that, that then precedes this, this promise of the restoration of God pouring out his spirit in Joel 2.28, I believe that this promise was fully fulfilled when Jesus came. When Jesus came and broke the curse of sin and death so that you and I can be in Christ and actually um, live and participate fully in this promise. We get to participate fully in the promise of God, in the promise of God restoring the years to us of what has been stolen. And I believe that God is declaring on us today that he is restoring the years that we have lost. You know, we see through scripture um, a thread of restoration. You know, at the beginning in Genesis, Genesis 1, it says God created the heavens and the air. And you go to Genesis 3, and we experience the fall of humanity, and there's destruction, and there is, um, there, there's, there's pain, there's suffering comes into our world. And you see through scripture from Adam to, um, to Noah to Abraham to David, and, and finally accumulated in Jesus. And you see that, that, um, how, Jesus, how God was planning to restore us to him. And in Revelation 21, um, towards the end of the Bible, you then see the, the, 
um, John saying, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You know, it starts with God creating the heavens and the earth, humanity destroying, and then God restoring that at the end of time. And that's the God that we restore. And that's the God that we Let's read, we're going to read a, a scripture in, in, Bible, in the Bible of, a story in the Bible of, of how God restores. But before we delve into the scriptures, I'm going to read, if you have your Bibles, we can open Second Samuel 9. Just share a bit of context um, surrounding this story. You know, Saul was a, was a king and was the first king of Israel. It was a king that God chose, and he started off really well. And then, all of a sudden, things started, go, started um, going bad for him. He, he started disobeying God, he started doing things in his own strength, and he refused to follow the leading of God. And because of that, he faced the consequences of his action, and he went into battle, like the kings did that day, and he perished in battle. So not only did he perish, his son Jonathan as well perished. And Jonathan had a song called Mephi Boshet. I had to practice this over and over again. Mephi Boshet. Who was um, five years old at the time. And um, his son, because of um, everything that happened at the war, in the war, his father died, his grandfather died, um, his, um, his, line, his lineage, everything had been destroyed. He decided, his nurse decided to run away with him. And it took him, they ran away. Obviously, they were either afraid of the enemies coming to attack them or obviously repercussions. Um, because in, back in, in those days, once the bloodline finished, they, they, you had to like, they intended to destroy what was left of any bloodline so that no one could lay claim to the throne. So he was running away for his life. His nurse was, was running away for his life. And because back in the day they didn't have any car seats, unfortunately, <laughs> she dropped him. As they were running away, he lost his legs. He lost his ability to walk. Now, fast forward a few years, and this is where we are now. Mephibosheth is a, is a grown man, and David is now king. David is king after Saul. He's thriving in his kingdom, and his kingdom is doing well. And, you know, we said David is like an archetype of Christ. So the kingdom of David, or the kingdom of Israel at that time, could, 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 could represent like a glimpse not, not, in, not in the fullness, but a glimpse of the kingdom of God at the time. And this is where we kind of pick up um, from. So Second Samuel verses 9, so this is where the story picks up. So it says, Now David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. Remember that name, Ziba? So when they called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So he's been lame since, but, um, since he was five and now he's still lame. So the king said to him, where in lo the bar? Then the king sent and brought him out of the house of Micaiah, the son of Emil, from lo the bar. Now when Mephibosheth the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such 
a dog as I. And the king said and called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his household. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall walk for the land shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 27. Ziba said to the king, according to all that my king, the king, my lord, the king had commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were the servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Kind of just had to throw that in there just to say it's not necessarily um, complete, but you know, it's, it's still a great story, isn't it? Um, we see a man, Mephibosheth who had lost everything. You know, just to imagine, put yourself in Mephibosheth's shoe. At the age of five, he has a grandson to the king. He has his whole life ahead of him. You know, he's probably been trained at that, at that age, from that age to, you know, take over the kingdom one day. He's a prince. He's got everything laid out for him. He's got his life set out for him. He's going to be, he's going to have a great life. And he's, you know, he's living the life, basically. He's got everything that he wants. And then in one single night, he lost everything. He lost his dad. He lost his granddad. He lost his inheritance. He lost his status. He lost his freedom. And to make things worse, due to no fault of his, due to someone else's mistake, he lost his ability to walk and potentially his ability to make a livelihood for himself because now he's lame in both feet. And he's had to live a life of fear because he's afraid potentially of repercussions. You know we, know, we know the story of Saul and David and how Saul pursued David. And he's thinking maybe one day David might, might just think, I need, to, I need to retaliate to what Saul did um, to me and I'm, I'm going to destroy his family and make sure that none of his family survives. And he's, think, he's probably thinking all these things. He's probably thinking, what is my life going to be like? He's probably thinking all these things. He's probably thinking, what is my life going to be like? Fast forward a few years, he's having to look at David doing really well in the kingdom that was supposed to be his or his father's. And he's thinking, wow, what, um, what a life I have to live. And God points him out in, 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 or brings him out in such a miraculous way. And you know, you can imagine the, the uh, feeling he, he would have um, received when God, um, sorry, when Zeba FaceTimes him and calls him and says, Mephibosheth, how are you? How, how have you been doing? I've got um, some news for you. David wants to meet you. He could imagine the feeling of dread in his heart. It says, David wants to meet you. And he, he goes and he attends to David. And he goes flat on his face and prostrate. And David reaches out to him and says, do not be afraid. Um, it says, I think it, it says, and the Bible says, it says, do not be afraid, and for I am restoring the land that your father owned. I am restoring everything to you. So imagine the feeling that he had, and he, he can't even believe it. And you know, his self-esteem is so low that he's even comparing himself to a dog. 
and not even one of those kind of posh dogs. It says a dead dog, as I. So he's comparing himself to a dog on the road, dead, with flies all over his body. And his self-esteem is told about God, and the king restores him. You know, it's such an incredible story of the way God restores. The way God restores, pulls us out from the, you know, the, the things that we deserve, the things that we, that we had coming to us. And he calls us and he stretches out his hands and says, I am restoring. Do not be afraid. I am restoring to you. Then. And you know, I said we should, we should remember the name Zeba. Zeba was the servant who sought out Mephibosheth. And you know, each and every one of us can be like a Zeba. We can seek out people to restore them to the king. You know, like um, we've talked about Festival Manchester. Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to bring so they can be restored to the king? You know, the story, this story here, it's not, it's not even complete just by his restoration. He's now also invited to sit at the king's table. You know, a, a few weeks ago, we had this amazing table displayed here. And Judith talked about come to the table. And we are invited to the king's table. We're invited to be restored at the king's table. You know, God is restoring us. He's restoring, he's restored us. He's restores us and he's, he's restoring us. So just be, we have been restored to him. But he also still restores the things that we have lost. And I believe today, you know, God is, is as he's been saying through the, the message, as he's been saying through the worship, through um, the, 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 everything that we've been going through, the, 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 the prophetic words that came through, he's pursuing us and he's restoring us. And I love how many stories came today, this morning, because I was thinking I, I need to actually get some stories from people in the church of God restoring them. And I love Gary's story of how he, he you know, he went away from God, but God brought him back to him. You know, I love Rakaya's story of, of um, you know, being in a place where she, she, she wanted to know God. And God revealed himself to her and he restored her to him. You know, just so many stories of God restoring. And for me, I remember years ago where I, I, I had a burden on my heart, which I didn't even know was really affecting me. And then once, one day... I feel like, you know, it, not in the same language, but I feel like I just went to God's table. And, and I spoke to my, I spoke to Lukundu, my wife, and I spoke to my friend, a friend of mine. And God just lifted that burden from me. And all those years I'd carried the burden for just kind of disappeared. And I was just kind of like lighter from that day onwards. And I couldn't even like remember what it was like to carry that burden anymore. And that's the God that we serve. That's the God who restores us and he makes us forget the years that the locusts are stolen, that the locusts has eaten. And you know, for a lot of us, the last two years since the pandemic started, it's been a little bit like that. You know, it's been a little bit like we have been toiling, we have been, you know, just one thing after the other. And we feel like we've lost so many things, we've lost so many years. I know a lot, some of us in, that, in those years have been a good time to just relax and try and, and reevaluate things. But, for each and every one of us, either way, where you stand, it's been a sense. We've been it's been a sense of loss. Even for us as a church, we've talked about this over the over the last few weeks about the loss that we felt that we've we, the sense that we've that we felt that we've sensed over the last few years. And you know, I believe God is saying to us today that I will restore the years. Amen. I will restore the years. 
you know, and before I end today, I'd just like to, I'd like us to pray together. And we're going to respond in song in a minute. We're going to respond um, in, um, in, in response to God and, and in song. But, you know, God is already doing something in a lot of us hearts already this morning. And I want us to just continue in, in that vein. Um, just want to pray for you today. Um, you know, if you've never been restored, you know, that the, the message was brought out. The invitation was brought out. And I'm adding my invitation to that. So if that's you, and maybe, you know, you, you've been like resistant. And I just want to say that God wants to restore you. He does want to restore you. So speak to one of us. Speak to the person maybe that you came with. Um, God wants to restore you. And I believe that there are some areas I feel that God also wants to restore um, us as individuals and us as a church. And some of that has already been brought out today already. Some of, some of it has already been um, spoken about. I believe the first area I believe that God wants to restore is a passion for him, passion for Jesus. You know, maybe your passion has waned, your passion has, um, you know, has, has dropped. I believe that God wants to restore that to you, the passion for him. I believe that God wants to restore a zeal for the house of God. You know, maybe you've, you, you, you used to be passionate about coming to church, you used to be passionate about being around people, but maybe not so much anymore. I believe that God wants to restore that. And I believe that God wants to restore relationships to you. Relationships that you may have lost. Maybe some relationships that were not necessarily good for you, but the essence of what the relationships were. God wants to restore that to you. I believe that God is restoring health. Good health. You know, Jeremiah says, I am restoring health to you. I believe that God wants to restore finances. You know, it's been such a tough period for some of us. And I believe God is restoring his finances to us. And finally, I believe that God wants to restore fruitfulness. You know, we, we have a word on, us, on, on our lives as a church that we will be a people who have net-breaking but sinking fruitfulness. And it's not, it might not have always have felt like that for us as a church or for us as individuals. And I believe that God wants to restore that to us. I'm just going to pray for us. And if the band want to come up um, as well response father god i just thank you that you are the god who restores you are the god who says i will restore the years you don't say i might or i i may or if circumstances are good i i, I will but you said i will restore the years and i just pray for each and every one of us today whether it's we are in, in one of those areas that i listed or whether it's something else and that we feel like we've lost we feel like maybe we've given up on that we've given up hope on I just ask Lord that would you come and help us to see that you are restoring help us Lord to to, to stop um, holding back from what you're doing help us to come to your table to, re to receive our restoration Lord Jesus Lord, I pray for even in places where we've laid blame on, on other people, laid blame on ourselves, maybe even laid blame on you, Lord. That God, would you just, would you just repent right now and give, the, the, give that up to you, Lord Jesus. And we say, Lord, would you restore us? Would you restore us? We thank you that you are so good, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are a good God. You are a good, good God. Your goodness and your mercy follows us all the days of our lives. We are those who live in the new covenant who live under the blessings of the new covenant, 
We're no longer under the cross. We're no longer under the cross of, the, of sin and shame. And we get to live in the new covenant because you are with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you.